This is a special edition of Instant Mom. Um, I think it's the equivalent of the after-school special. (laughs) Uh, Remember in the 80s, you would have the after-school special and it would be like about peer pressure or smoking and all the music was really serious. And um, This is the after-school special of Instant Mom, but um, I thought I would share because we have some interesting news and I have a lot of different feelings about it. And I think it's a good um, way to talk about a lot of the roller coaster of emotions that you go through when you are fostering and adopting. And the news that we got this evening from Jack's birth mom is that she is pregnant with twins. And, um, I only found this out about an hour ago, so all of my thoughts are still really fresh. I think um, it's tough to talk about it because I really admire how far she has come. Um, She has several months of sobriety, and she has um, earned back her youngest, so Jack's baby brother, who is a little over a year old, and... um, you know, they, they have some stability. Um, uh, mom and, and dad have some stability now and seem to really be on the right path. And certainly they're doing the best that they ever have for as long as I've known them, which has been um, you know, almost three years now. And that's really exciting. And she has been through a lot of really hard stuff, particularly in the past year, and has had, um, you know, several realizations that um, the, what she was doing before was not working out for her for a variety of reasons. And, you know, we've had some really great conversations that she is committed to changing her life forever. And so I don't want to automatically think the worst. However, (laughs) um, I think being a foster parent for four years now has jaded me a little bit because you see, the worst of the worst and you see um, cycles repeating themselves and you also hear a lot of parents saying I'm going to do the right thing I'm going to do the right thing I'm going to do the right thing and maybe they even do the right thing for a little bit and then they just fall back down to like an even even lower low than you thought and so it's really hard to be completely positive about this news given the reality of it. I mean, I think even if you have ample resources and even if you never struggled with any kind of addiction and even if you just had, you know, every um, advantage in the world, having newborn twins and then also having, you know, a one and a half year old uh, is really, really, really tough, right? Um But then you couple onto that a lot of financial strain and a lack of just other resources, childcare and family close by for them, um, and trouble getting jobs just because of their background, and then this lingering, um, lingering addictions, plural for both of them. And you add on all of that on top of the stress of parenting twin newborns and a toddler, a young toddler. And it's just like, oh my God, how are you like logistically, how are you going to do that? But just emotionally, how are you going to do that? 
And so I'm a little nervous that the stress of all of that will result in them using again. And, uh, and it just, it makes me really nervous. And it makes me even more nervous because their case is currently closed. So as I mentioned earlier, they um, have been reunited with their youngest. And so the case is closed, which means that there's, there's no one keeping tabs on them now. They're just sort of regular citizens like you or I, um, which is great for them because they earned it and they deserve it. But it's also scary because it's like, okay, but if the worst happens there's really nobody there to catch it. Um, and it would have to be a totally new um, event that would put them back on the radar of DCS. So, you know, something terrible would have to happen, basically, or somebody would have to have a suspicion that something was going very badly and then bring it to the attention of DCS for them to reopen this case. So, um, so that's even scarier for me of like, oh my God, if they do slip up, there's nobody there to make sure that they're that they're not. So, um, uh, just as you can tell, I'm still in shock about this. It's just really like I consider myself an idealist. I consider myself an optimist. I always think everything is going to be just fine, and I always think I can handle everything. And I am. Um, kind of ideally optimistic, but when it comes to this kind of stuff, because of being in foster care and because of seeing the worst and hearing the broken promises and seeing people do okay, but then fall back down, I also can't help but be really jaded about this. And um, those two things are really in conflict with each other. And at the same time, I also really hurt for Jack. Um, And I'm not sure this is something that his birth mom has actually thought through, or if she has, she hasn't really said this to me. Um, I think he's really going to struggle with this when he's older, because I am afraid that he, when he's old enough to sort of really understand his whole story, maybe when he's a teenager, I'm afraid he could look at this past and think, okay, so you were complete disasters with me. And looking back at my record, uh, you didn't even attempt to get your life together for me. You just basically were like, "Ah, lost cause, see ya. And then you basically created this do-over family and decided to move on with your lives. And, um, and I, and it annoys me when people are like, no, he won't say that. He'll be so happy that he has you. And it's like, well, yeah, he could be really happy that he has me and also have those feelings. And I think, I mean, that's how I would feel (laughs) if I found out that my birth mother just like didn't even try for me and just gave up and just was a super hot mess. And then later on, and not even that later on, like a year later, started this do-over family and got it together for them, I would feel really hurt. Like, why couldn't you get it together for me? Why didn't I matter enough? And I'm not saying that those things are accurate, right? I would never say that, oh, Jack didn't matter to birth mom, and that's why she couldn't get it together. It's obviously much more complex than that. But I think those are real feelings that he'll have. And so um, it just makes me really sad for him, because this makes his 
story even harder. And I also know that that's not fair to the birth parents because I can't expect them to just not move on with their lives and to never, you know, have children in the future if they want to, right? Like that's not fair of me to say that. But um, but it does add on an additional layer of complexity for Jack's story and and his emotions and how he's going to deal with this. And, um, you know, I'm committed to um, really making this open adoption work and really allowing him to um, be as involved in the lives of his brothers as he possibly can and his birth parents too. Um, but even at monthly visits, that's still really not enough time to build up a significant relationship. And and they just have such different lives than him. And they live in a different town, a different part of the state now. Um, you know, practically, it's not going to be like having brothers, you know, and I just, it makes me even more want to um, have another child for Jack so that he does feel like, okay, yeah, I have these biological brothers and I have some kind of relationship with them, even if it's infrequent or not that close, but I also have my family, right? Like this is my family because I feel like if he grows up an only child, he could, the possibility is that he would feel like he doesn't really belong anywhere. Like I've got my mom, me, (laughs) And I've got my biological family, but like, I don't have a lot that's mine, quote unquote. So, um, man. And then I also had to laugh. Like when I got the news, I just laughed because I've been, you know, for months really conflicted about when do I open my home for another placement and do I open my home for another placement and, um, you know, just kind of doing all the math and figuring out the finances for childcare and sort of what the budget would look like if we added another and, and trying to really be honest with myself about, um, you know, can I handle it emotionally? Can I handle it mentally? Can I give everybody the attention they need? And just really, really thinking this through. And then somebody doesn't think it through at all. And it's just like, boom, twins. Yay. It's like, oh my God. Um, but I had to laugh because I was like, wow, God could have a great sense of humor. Like, and again, this, I'm not saying that this will happen. Mom and dad could do great and they could stay sober forever. And they could just be these amazing role models of how you can get your life in order. But again, just the jaded foster parent been around the block a few times in me thinks, I don't know about this. And I just had to laugh because I was like, wow, God, okay. So um, you've put this this bug in my ear that I should hold off on opening my home until the springtime, which is kind of probably when these babies would be due. And weird, we just moved into a four-bedroom house <laughs> um, that I haven't filled up yet. And I was like, and my first thought was like, shit, <laughs> did, did all of this happen for a reason? And I'm going to end up with these babies and I don't want to um, because if I ended up with these babies, that would mean that mom and dad failed and I don't want them to fail. And it would mean that these babies went through trauma and I don't want them to go through trauma. And I frankly don't want twin newborn babies (laughs) Um, because I couldn't handle twin newborn babies and a toddler. Um, 
or a preschooler at that point. Like, I, I, I couldn't do it either. But there was this moment of like, wow, that is kind of crazy that I was thinking about opening up my home anyway around that time. And I've got four bedrooms. Um, anyway, so yeah, this is a little bit, and it was really great because one of my other, um, good, uh, friends who is also a single foster and adoptive mom, she has three adopted children, three adopted children. And, um, uh, uh, one foster child with her now. So she has four total and she's single and she's a teacher and she somehow makes it work. She's like a hero. I don't know how she does it. It's crazy, but she makes it work and she makes it work beautifully. She called me right away and it's really great to talk to her because it's, um, you know, it's hard to relate to all these ups and downs that you kind of go through when you have these long-term ties to other families. And as somebody else pointed out to me tonight, like these things are going to happen <laughs> for the next ever, right? Like not even for the next 16 years until Jack is a legal adult because, you know, um, his parents will be in my life for as long as we all live um, because Jack has two moms, you know, um, and our lives are intertwined, whether we like it or not. And their lives are going to have ups and downs. And my life is going to have ups and downs. And it's just a roller coaster that I have to ride with them. Um, they could have twins, and then they could have seven more children, you know, they're still young, and, and it could happen. So it's like, this seems crazy to me right now, just still trying to absorb this news. But um, we have a lifetime of this together, like an entire lifetime of this, an awkward, messy, uncertain lifetime. Um, and I think it's just tough on, on my relationship with mom because I want to be really supportive of her and I want to see her do really good. Like I want nothing more than to look like a jerk six years from now when she's like, yeah, I've been clean this whole time and I turned my life around and you were super suspicious of it and super cynical of it. And I can be like, yeah, I was totally wrong. Like you rocked this, right? I want that. That's best for me. That's the best thing for her. And it's the best thing for Jack and all the other kids involved, right? So I want her to do really well. But I also want to make sure that Jack's brothers and sisters, I don't know the gender of these babies yet, um, and future siblings to come, I want to make sure that they are protected. And so even though I am supportive of mom and I want to be a friend to mom, I also am always going to have an eye on her. And if I think that she's using or if I think that she's being neglectful or, or anything like that, I, I will say something to DCS. And so there's that part of the relationship too where it's like, can we ever really trust each other? Um, I don't know. I don't know that we ever can. And I don't think that, and I think she would say the same, right? Like, I think she would like to say, you know, I think Elizabeth wants the best for me. And I think she wants the best for our family. And I think she wants this to all work out well. But I also think she's kind of looking very carefully to watch for us to screw up. And um, I don't want her to screw up, but I am watching carefully for it just given the history. 
And hopefully she wouldn't hold that against me because there has been a lengthy history. Um, you know, Jack wasn't the first child. Jack was number three that, or well, Jack was number two and there have been three other children. No, let me say this again. (laughs) Jack was number two. There have been three total children, um, that have been in the system from her. So, um, you know, I think I have a right to be suspicious, but I don't want that to overshadow everything else. Um, what's really cool about this, this time now though, that I haven't had before is sort of my faith, which I haven't talked about on this podcast yet because I still feel really weird talking about it because it's so new to me. But, you know, before when I would deal with these uncertain situations or these messy and tricky situations, um, I just had myself to rely on of like just being in my mind all the time and thinking it through and, um, just hoping, but it's really cool now that I can just be like, all right, God, this is yours. Like, I know, you know what you're doing. (laughs) And I know that everything that's happening now is all going according to your plan. And I don't know what that plan is. I'm not even going to pretend to know what that plan is, but I know it's going according to your plan. And, um, I'm tearing up again and eventually that will make sense to me. And so even in the past hour and a half of me dealing with this news, that has been really helpful to be like, I give this all up to you, God. Like, you know what you're doing. You have made this all happen. Uh, You know the ending before we even began. So I'm just going to have faith that it's going to work out the way it should, whatever that means. And that sounds really trite and silly. An atheist me would have hated this so hard even a year ago. Um, But it's really comforting and it really is... Um, kind of freeing to be able to do that. That it's not, it's not under my control. It's not in my hands. I don't have to worry about it because somebody much bigger and more powerful than me has got this. So that is a little bit of really real insight into um, what an open adoption looks like and what adopting through foster care looks like and just all of these lifelong implications. It doesn't end when the judge Uh, pounds the gavel and says, you're a family, right? It's just like any family. It's messy for forever. Uh, Thank you for listening to my after school special version of Instant Mom. (laughs) As always, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, I'd love to hear it. Elizabeth.Friedland at gmail.com. Always message me at efriedland on Instagram. And uh, I appreciate you listening. Thanks, guys.